Today's show was brought to you by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to The Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at The Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. Episode of the Bird Calls Podcast. My name is Preston Ellis, and we are previewing our Monday night home matchup with the Orlando Magic. Now, to talk magic and what to expect, we brought on the editor of Orlando Magic Daily and host to Locked On Magic, our podcast buddy, Philip Rossman. Right? What's up, Philip? Not too much. Uh, you know, the, the Magic took took one on the chin a little bit here on, on a Sunday evening, but uh, they're heading on to New Orleans and, and hopefully they'll be ready for what I think will be a really... Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Really interesting matchup. I got to say, we're thrilled to hear that you guys lost tonight, especially <laughs> on the first night of your back-to-back. And with us, as always, is our editor-in-chief, Ali Cosell. Thanks for being with us, Ali. Hey, Preston. Thanks for having me, man. How was your weekend? Oh, it was so good, man. I just finished a nice, nice day. We went to Disney Springs. We had a lovely dinner at this nice new pizza place called Blaze. But I'm sure Philip doesn't want to hear about any of that. Again, you guys can follow. Hey, I'm, I'm all, I'm all about Disney Springs, man. That 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 place, that place was where I went when I was growing up, playing at the Disney Quest, the Virgin Mega Store, going to the AMC for my movies. I'm all about the Disney Springs, man. You know, Phil, we're going to have to go on a date someday because we've got Jason Albert from the Bird Rights is in Tampa. And then we've also got Leo B.S., who is, uh, I think, the Lakers SB Nation uh, affiliate editor in chief. All the four of us should, like, get some kind of crew together and go to uh, Amway Center. and We could be like the nerd patrol. Everybody would just gawk (laughs) at us as we walk through the front doors. Before I turn this over to Philip, you guys can follow him at Phil R. Squared. And you can follow his site at Daily and his pod at Magic. Take it away, Philip. Yeah, uh, so I guess we're going to start uh, by recapping what the Magic did tonight. Of course, you can find me on find me at all those places. Preston said, if if you're new to the Locked On Magic show, uh, but the Orlando Magic have gotten off to this incredible start. They're they were four and one, best record in the Eastern Conference. Everyone is surprised by how this Magic team is doing, uh, and and somewhat waiting for the other shoe to drop. And and the other shoe kind of dropped on Sunday night when the Magic took on the Charlotte Hornets, a one twenty to one thirteen victory. For the Hornets, uh, this was a game where the Magic really struggled on both ends to find their rhythm. They they really looked kind of kind of lethargic and and, and a step slow uh, for most of the night. Their shots didn't fall really for the first time all year, uh, which is pretty shocking to them. 
Uh, but overall, the Magic really just kind of struggled. Kemba Walker went crazy. He had, uh, let me pull up my stat sheet here. Uh, Kemba Walker had a lot of points, uh, 34 points to be exact, 10 assists as well as 15 for 25 shooting. He just dominated the Magic in a pick and roll. They had no answer for him. They couldn't keep him out of the paint. Yet, Orlando found themselves only down by three early in the fourth quarter. They uh, kept themselves in the game and, and you know, had a, had a puncher's chance of getting back in. They just couldn't muster up the offensive firepower to get back in. And so the Magic fall to four and two, take their second loss of the season in Charlotte as they head on to New Orleans now for Monday's game. Uh, thanks for that insight, Philip. Uh, really nice uh, analysis of what happened last night. We can read the box score, but good to know that. Uh, good to know they're starting to feel tired after that nice four and one uh, stretch to start the season. They're they're slowing down just at the right time, Ollie, because the Pels <laughs> just capped off a very exciting victory for Pels fans with a one twenty three one hundred one victory over LeBron, Sands, It, and Derek Rose, of course. But for the first time in franchise history, the Pels had three players with 29 points, a fourth in each one more with 24, and Boogie collected his first triple-double as a Pelican. Talk a bit about the game and how the Pelicans were able to pull it off after a furious comeback uh, attempt by the Cavaliers late in the third. Sure. As Philip has seen, the Cavaliers are not so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it almost is funny, honestly. LeBron James, proven winner, um, with with a a roster full of veterans, and the guys have started three and four. Uh, they lost again tonight to the Knicks, so not looking good for them. Um, they, as I've mentioned, they've lost to the Magic, and then as you mentioned, Preston, they lost to the Pelicans in a great game on Saturday night. As as we all know, Demarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis are always going to lead the Pelicans in attack, and they shine. Um, there's not much else to add other than these guys seem to somehow outdo their previous games. As you mentioned, a, a tri- triple-double for DeMarcus and 80 coming off an injury. He had an incredible 30 points, but it was really that stretch in the fourth quarter where he scored 12 consecutive points to put the game out of reach because the Cavaliers actually did close the gap and at one point late in the third led uh, momentarily. And that, you know, that was not a good moment considering the Pelicans had overwhelmed the Cavaliers from the start until halftime. Um, they simply operate and uh, execute their offense throughout the game. The defense was on point outside of a few breakdowns, but then in that third, it fell apart. Kevin Love started hitting threes, and like I said, they made their run, but then Anthony Davis happened. He had a couple threes, a mammoth dunk, got to the line, and boom, before you knew it, the Pelicans were up 15 again. So it was a great win for the Pelicans, but the main reason I think they won in addition to the great scoring performances, the efficiency by the uh, starters was the fact, as I mentioned, they just play with more passion defensively. When they weren't breaking down, missing plays, missing rotations, you name it, they were um, given given the Cavaliers a solid, you know, a challenge. Um, LeBron James, as Philip and you guys know, he loves to find mismatches. He was trying to run Dante Cunningham off pick and rolls, and when he did successfully shake him, he would wind up with Drew Holiday or H1 Moore. But guess what? He was not able to score on them. He was trying to back those guys, but since they're bulky, they're bulky for guards. Although they're only about six foot four each, that they they can hold their own down the post, even against a you know a behemoth like LeBron down there. So the Pelicans were able to stymie completely whatever Cleveland tried to do. And when Kevin Love had to briefly exit the game after he tweaked the knee. Pelicans went on that run. There you go, ball game. 
Nice work, Ali. Now, once again, you guys are listening to The Bird Rights and Locked On Magic, and we are talking to Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic here on Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash, as well as Ali Cosell, the editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. Uh, I'm going to swing this over to you, Philip. Uh, this year, uh, the offseason was a stark contrast from last year. Last year, you guys spent a lot of money, and uh, this year it was a bit quieter. You guys just brought in really Jonathan Isaac, Shelvin Mack, and uh, – Jonathan Simmons, uh, but you came out, like you said, to a four and one record, including decisive victories over the Cavaliers, as we just spoke about, and the Spurs. Talk a bit about early indications this season of what your expectations are going forward this year now with the Magic and how they contrast to what they were over the summer. Yeah, I, I mean, it's obvious, it obviously wasn't a busy summer. And for a team that won only 29 games last year, that did not bode well for what the season was going to be. And Really heading into the season uh, with the Magic getting new management and Jeff Weltman and John Hammond uh, replacing Rob Hennigan, uh, it, it really felt like the Magic were going to kind of just wait and see things. They were going to kind of, the, the new management, and they even said this, we're going to take a very patient approach, just kind of look at the roster and what they had and really evaluate them. They didn't want to rush into making any mo- any dra- drastic moves because that's exactly what the old regime did the previous year and kind of stuck them in a little bit of salary cap hell where they couldn't do very much, even even with what they had. So it was very much a, okay, let's see what the what we had. And the Magic, I think, were not 100% certain what they had, but fairly certain what they had after going through the last five years and going through much of last year. But there was a bit of hope, and, and that came at the end of the season. After the Serge Ibaka trade, Orlando started playing at a much faster pace. They, they pushed the tempo a lot more. They started kind of spreading the floor a little bit more. And they kind of decided at the end of last season that this is the way we need to play. This is the way the league is going now. And we have these athletes and, and have some, some okay shooters that we need to adopt this style. And so they had this idea heading into the summer. They kept the same coach for the first time in three years, which I think everyone takes for granted until you don't have it. Uh, and kept a lot of the same roster together. And so uh, even Frank Vogel said after Friday's win against the Spurs, the, the, the continuity bump that, that he expected from this team has been even greater than he anticipated. Uh, I think we expected the Magic to, to kind of hover around 500 and kind of find their way but look better. We didn't expect them to look this good. And, and, and as, I've, as, I've, as I said on a Facebook Live that I did earlier Sunday, the way that the Magic had played these first five games, five, six games of the season, to me, it takes whatever your expectations were and just maybe moves them up a notch. I was one who thought that the Magic were a better team, probably in the mid-30s as far as their win total, and would probably be in the playoff race until the last weeks of the season, but ultimately fall short. Now I'm... Sorry, go, go ahead. Yeah. I was just uh, you're yeah. continuing with what I was going to say. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. And, and so now I move them a notch up where I think, yes, this team's expectation should be to make the playoffs. They have played well enough to show me and done things well enough to show me that they have playoff team potential, especially in these in this Eastern Conference. And, you know, I, I think there are some fans that were like, oh, we're definitely a playoff team. They're thinking we should hey, well, we're definitely a playoff team now, but we should be going for a little bit more. I'm, I'm not there yet. There's still a long, long way to go in the season. But um, I think that the, the way the Magic have played to start this year it has been extremely encouraging to that effect. Ali, now the Pelicans are in a bit of a different suit in that uh, while the Magic fans may be pleasantly surprised, 
The Pelicans need to win this year for all the obvious reasons that everybody's heard about all offseason long with Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, these one-year rentals like Rajon Rondo, this big ticket money contract on Drew Holiday needing to pan out. Uh, but as you said earlier with Trevor, uh, just a few days ago against the Kings, many fans uh, were panicking, including myself. Uh, some fans were even jumping ship calling for Demps and Gentry's heads. I, I think I even probably uh, midway through that second quarter lost my mind. But here we are four days later at three and three, welcoming a team who uh, just suffered defeat in Charlotte on the second night of a back-to-back in New Orleans. How have the Pelicans managed to turn things around from their disastrous one and three start to, to where we are now, three and three, with a favorable home game tomorrow night. And then we've got the, the Pelicans, the Wolves, the Pacers, uh, just, just a nice favorable schedule approaching. How did we get here, Ollie? Well, I've been saying this since the start of the preseason. The Pelicans were going to get off to a tough start, one and three. Sure enough, they started one and three, and you had to look at the opponents. Um, Memphis Grizzlies on their home turf, an experienced team and then followed by the Warriors, and then Portland in their place. You know, the Trailblazers are so tough to beat up there in the Northwest. So this 1-3 and three start, um, I kind of foresaw that. And as you know, I've mentioned that on several pods. Therefore, it's hard for me to say they've turned things around. I have noticed improvement, but I don't think they've necessarily, like, turned some great corner or discovered something. I just think they're honestly playing a little bit better and in turn also playing against weaker competition. And that there you go. That's why we've won three of the last four. Um, all you have to do is look at the Pelicans were in all every game. They have never been blown out. They could have won almost every game, to be honest with you, Preston. I mean, they had their chances against the Grizzlies before losing the lead late. They were up on the Golden State Warriors before they made that great comeback and uh, caught the Pelicans at the end. And against the Blazers, losing Anthony Davis, had we not lost them, or lost him, excuse me, to that left knee injury, I think the Pelicans would have won because, wow, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard were so off their game. I think they had only made like four shots in the first three quarters. So all those games were for the taking. So it's not as though the Pelicans were playing bad, you know. And this is a simple misconception when you just solely look at stats or records and you say, oh, wow, they've won three or four, they're playing better. No, I don't think that's been the case at all. It's simply these guys. Um, have kind of come together. The addition of Jameer Nelson has really helped. We all noticed that in preseason once Rajon Rondo left. Um, suddenly the team was having problems getting the offense, and Drew Holiday was not able to uh, fulfill, you know, kind of that ball handling, decision-making role of a point guard. Um, and that's something the team honestly tried to avoid coming into this season. That's why they signed Rajon Rondo. So it wasn't a surprise to see Holiday and the rest of the team struggle as soon as Rondo went out. Um, but Jameer Nelson, wow, his addition was timely. I honestly believe had the Pelicans and Dell Demps not added him when they did, the Pelicans conceivably could have started the season 0-5. They could have lost to that Lakers game because um, the Lakers made a hell of a comeback and if it hadn't been for Nelson late hitting a big bucket, making a few timely passes. Very much could have been a loss. And same thing against the Kings. The Kings started off like firecrackers. I mean, they were making everything they a step or two quicker than the Pelicans, but Nelson came in the game um, and really calmed the whole, you know, demeanor of the team down to where they, you know, kind of found their footing, so to speak, and started mounting a comeback, which ended up winning going away. So I don't know, Preston, it, 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 it's, it's funny how these narratives get started by simply somebody saying something or looking at a sim simple stat. So for me, the Pelicans, have kind of been the same team all season where they've had their moments on offense, but 
you know, it hasn't clicked entirely yet until that Cleveland Cavaliers game where, wow, for three quarters, the Pelicans were outstanding. They only just had that hiccup in the third quarter. And the defense has had, you know, its, its share of suspect moments as well. But it's slowly coming back, you know, coming together. Um, and they are trending positively. That's where Phillips' team, you know, just suffered that road bump tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and I honestly believe they may have been playing a little bit over the heads. I was looking at some of the stats because I've only caught like a game and a half of theirs. Um, and Philip, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I noticed that they're shooting. I think they have the second highest three-point percentage so far in the league. Um, I don't know how much you can expect, like most of their regular rotation to be shooting over 40% <laughs> from the three-point line. But again, you know, Maybe they can, but, you know, I'm going to say they probably can't. It's hard to see a team take that big of a step forward. But, you know, we'll see. Anything can happen any given game. Uh, before I get over to Philip, I'm just going to ask Ali a quick uh, follow-up question because, to be truthful, you are cool as a cucumber right now, and rightfully so. We're 3-3, three and three and we're, you know, at a good spot. Philip, this was supposed to be the toughest uh, part of our first month was these first six games and Ali were while you were a hundred percent correct in your assessment that we were going to start one and three with tough matchups against the Grizzlies the Warriors and the Trailblazers uh like you said without Jameer Nelson and those two uh miracle uh not comebacks but salvaging salvaging disaster against the Lakers and then the comeback against the Kings the Pelicans could have been sitting uh 0-5 heading into this Cavaliers uh contest so at that point would you then, uh, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say, would you then justify the panic that many Pelicans fans were feeling had Jameer Nelson not come come in and save the day? I mean, he essentially came out of nowhere. Not only is he not the type of player that the Pelicans usually add, he's not typically the type of player the Pelicans add this early in the season. Usually we start assembling all these 10-day contracts later in the year. Um, how... I guess I guess continue on how vital Jameer Nelson has been to this and where the Pelicans would have been had he not come to town. Yeah, it's a great question, Preston, because the Pelicans put a lot of their eggs in, honestly, Rajon Rondo's basket. We saw last year decision-making Rondo, for some reason, wasn't able to, you know, function next to Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins together on the floor. And uh, it kind of continued on in this preseason, especially after Rondo went down. So, Honestly, that, that was the only move the Pelicans could have made. I know they didn't want, from what I heard, they didn't want to let Jordan Crawford go. And I know he was one of your favorites among many other people in the fan base. <laughs> but they, somebody had to be a casualty, and his was the only unguaranteed contract. So made sense. There were some point guards available. And for some reason, I don't know why nobody had Jameer Nelson. Um, I still don't understand why the Nuggets let him go in place of Richard Jefferson. Now, it's funny, the Nuggets are struggling out of the gates. And the Pelicans are on the upswing, and we've got their former assistant coach. So everybody's like, what happened? Everybody flip-flop positions to start the season. But, you know, to get to your question, Jameer Nelson was absolutely vital. He, they, they had to add him. They had to, to just take some pressure off Drew. And, and, and honestly, when it wasn't on Drew, DeMarcus Cousins was trying to initiate the offense. Or as Anthony Davis. And what do we see? A lot of turnovers, especially – as the games got deeper, uh, going in the third, late third, early fourth quarters, those, those turnovers starting mounting. All of a sudden, opposing teams were double, triple teaming the guys. Mainly because, yes, those were the only two guys that were able to do anything consistently. Because I don't know if you noticed, Philip, if you've watched any of the Pelicans games, but our role players started the season terribly. Nobody outside of our big two could hit anything. Uh, Dante Cunningham still in deep freeze somewhere. 
Um, Ian Clark, he's, he's shown some signs. Etwan Moore only recently has really bounced back in the last two games. And same thing with Drew Holiday. He started off terribly. Uh, he was shooting air balls, uh, even from just the elbow. So the whole team really struggled to get out of the gates. And it's simply because I think the roles changed. Nobody knew exactly what should, how much they should be contributing or, you know, there's just no floor general, Preston. You just need – every team needs a floor general, especially one like the Pelicans that has so many offensive weapons who like particular spots on the floor, yet nobody's really honestly out there to get them the ball. So that's the easiest answer. Drew, Jameer Nelson fit that cog seamlessly. What a great transition, Ali. Uh, you are listening to the Bird Rights and Locked On Magic, and we are talking to Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily, as well as Ali Cosell of thebirdrights.com here on Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash. Philip, this is a nice transition because you guys are without your floor general in Alfred Payton. Talk a bit about Frank Vogel's performance. You mentioned consistency and having uh, a less turnover this year than in your previous year, and that kind of binding your guys together. But uh, coming into this uh, season, you had a hamstring injury to Alfred Payton, and you've kind of had this mishmash point guard situation between DJ Augustin and, uh, sorry, the other Evan Fournier. Talk a bit about that, and who is really running your offense at this moment? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was a, 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 I thought it would be a huge hit, because uh, especially last year, DJ Augustin was just not very good. Uh, you know, a, a guy who's a New Orleans native, actually, um, he really struggled for the Magic last year in the first year of a four-year deal, and I was a little skeptical that he could run the team at the pace that the Magic like to run. Like they're trying to get out even on made baskets and really kind of force the team into into playing kind of secondary transition. I mean, literally, I think several players said during the preseason, uh, if we don't run a play the entire game, that means we're doing a good job. I mean, they want to kind of just flow into their basic offensive sets and find a way to beat you by finding mismatches and and beating you in transition. And Alfred Payton is really best suited for that. That's where he really thrived toward the end of the season last year. And there were, everyone was expecting big things from Payton this year. And so to see him go down so early in the season, it left a lot of big question marks, but Augustin has surprisingly fit right in. Uh, he He's a much better shooter than Payton. And he's definitely running the offense, essentially. I mean, he, he's, he's definitely uh, the lead guy, not the lead guy, but the, the, the primary ball handler for the Magic and has done a really good job distributing and getting Orlando into their set. So he's been a, a pleasant surprise this year, kind of back to what you would expect from him if you look at his look at his career, uh, throughout his career, the way he's played. Uh, this, is, this is about what he's done or, and what he's capable of. Now, Augustin is still a bit of a weak spot defensively, uh, and, and the Magic have been able to get away with that. Uh, you, you said that you know, you're kind of waiting for the Magic to kind of come down from this high. I absolutely am too. I don't think a lot of their offensive stats are going to last. Um, I think what we saw Sunday against Charlotte with Kimball Walker, who's probably the best point guard the Magic have played all year, uh, that's more indicative of the problems with having D.J. Augustin as your starting point guard. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've told people who've said, oh, you know, the Magic are playing so well, Augustin should start over Peyton when Peyton gets back. I don't think that's the case. I, I think that the Magic have worked really hard and done a really good job kind of hiding Augustin a little bit. It wouldn't surprise me if they put Evan Fournier or Terrence Ross on Drew Holiday and, and try and keep Augustin away from a primary driver and attacker like that. Um, as far as Vogel, uh, uh, people were kind of down on Vogel after the way the team played last year. They said, oh, you know, Vogel's ways don't really work anymore. And, and I think he really had to kind of change his mindset a little bit. And, and it's not that he was against running. But he never really coached a team that had this kind of pace behind them before. And so coming into the season, 
he really had to, you know, he's really having to prove that he can coach a, a, a high level offense in, in a way that he never did in Indiana while still providing the defense. And they're switching a lot more on defense. And I think they're looking more and more like a Frank Vogel team. And a lot of that is the guys know what, what Vogel expects of them. Vogel knows what he can get out of his, out of his returning players, at least. And, and the magic are, are definitely responding really well to that. Now, Ali, uh, let's transition over to defense and how the Pelicans uh, plan to handle the Orlando Magic. The Pelicans do have experience with these teams who sort of uh, disperse the ball pretty evenly amongst each other with the Kings and the Lakers. The Magic very similarly have Evan Fournier, uh, Nikola Vucevic, I hope I said that right, and Aaron Gordon each at 20 points a game, and then Jonathan Simmons right behind them at 16 points a game. And uh, the Pelicans were a top-10 defense last year. You mentioned earlier on the podcast with Trevor that now they're a top-five offense through five games. How do you expect the Pelicans to match up with this uh, wide variety of scoring? And who do you expect uh, to take advantage of the Pelicans defense? I really like the matchups. That is one major reason why, regardless of whether the uh, Magic would have beaten the Hornets tonight, I would have still really liked the Pelicans' uh, chances, despite it being, you know, on the second night of a back-to-back, is because of those matchups. Um Three, the three top players for the Magic, the three 20-point scorers is what I'm looking at. Nikola Vucevic is going to have to deal with DeMarcus Cousins. Aaron Gordon, who is an amazing athlete, guess who he gets? Anthony Davis. And Evan Fournier, most likely is going to see both Drew Holiday and Etwan Moore, and maybe even little Tony Allen. So I can't imagine all three of those guys, you know, coming close to hitting their averages. At least one guy's going to suffer a major drop-off, I'm foreseeing. And I wouldn't be surprised if two of them missed the mark. So right there, that's going to, you know, reduce the 60-odd some points that Magic have been relying on on a nightly basis down to maybe in that 40 range. And so I don't know how strong the uh, Magic's bench is. I know I love Jonathan Simmons, um, and Isaac shows a lot of potential. But from what I've been hearing and what I just noticed in a few minutes, Terrence Ross has not gotten off to a good start. And I really don't know of anybody else that can, you know, come off that bench and provide 20 points. With DJ Augustine starting, yeah, I, I agree fully with Peyton. Or, excuse me, with Philip that Alfred Peyton what is, is, is going to be missed, um, both defensively and for the offense. He's always done well, Philip, against the Pelicans for some reason. Um, He's going home. No problem. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. He loves he loves coming home. I'm I'm actually a little upset for Alfred that he's not going to be able to play in, in his hometown. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, there's you know we've got a couple of guys on our staff that really love him. They've been creating trade scenarios for the last two years trying to pry him away. Um, is, is real quick. I know this is outside of what we're talking about, but how have the Magic um, have have they changed their tune about Alfred Payton? Do they really see him as a part of the future core now? Uh you know. I, I don't know. Um, I From what I understand, the old management really loved him and, and were really bought into him and really believed in him. And, and I think new management is very much taking a wait-and-see approach. Uh, they uh, A lot of the talk when it came to rookie extensions centered around Aaron Gordon and whether the Magic would get a deal done for Aaron Gordon. I think everyone among Magic fans agreed that Payton had been too inconsistent over the course of his three seasons, largely as the starter to fork over guaranteed money and, and wrap him up now. Um, they felt that I think a lot of Magic fans feel that it's probably best to let this season play out, see what Peyton is, you know, kind of with the stability that that he's lacked for the, the stability with the front office and the coaching staff that he's lacked throughout his career. 
and then see what the market gives him. Uh, so I, I, to sitting here today, I cannot answer with any definitiveness what the Magic will do with Alfred Payton. Honestly, if there's a lot of Pelicans fans that that like Payton, or a lot of Pelicans people that 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 think Payton, you know, can be, you know, a, a younger version of Ray John Rondo and bring him into the fold. Um, call us in February. Uh, it would not surprise me if you hear Peyton's name in trade rumors, e- even if the Magic are in the playoff hunt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ali, why don't you continue? Are, do you have any interest in Alfred Payton with the, now the, the large uh, number of point guards the Pelicans seem to be acquiring? Yeah, yeah really. No, honestly, I don't. Um, I think they found – they actually, I don't think they found is the right answer. They stumbled into something that's really worked. Um, it's, it's only been six games, so we can't say anything with a definitive answer. But again, I, I always thought it was going to be easy this season. Well, why Preston, you know, cause I hammered this point over and over. Pelicans have two all NBA talents, two top 15 players. So it was never going to be hard to make this product work. I felt on the floor. Um, all it took was just a few right pieces. And we've seen that in the last few games where you just get a couple of guys knocking down the outside shots, somebody facilitating and boom, all of a sudden the Pelicans are putting up 110, 120 points and uh, walking away with a victory. So I think this is just going to be a trend as to where, you know, I think the biggest need, Preston, and I think pretty much all of us agree, is at small forward. Um, Can't rely on Solomon Hill to come back. Dante Cunningham, huge question mark to start the season. Darius Miller, wow, he's looking maybe like the biggest mistake of the offseason so far. Um, hopefully he can turn it around. I know it's going to take time adjusting back, coming back from Europe to get back into the NBA. But again, you've got to at least have some kind of different aggressiveness, some kind of different mentality. And he looks exactly the same player that we saw two, two and a half years ago, leave New Orleans. So that's where I expect the Pelicans to maybe, you know, try and sh- uh, shape up the roster, but definitely not a point guard. They, they've, how many times have we heard the players press, especially during media Media day talk about Rajon Rondo um, infinitely. And you know, last night, I don't know if you caught the news, but the Pelicans, after their win against the Cavaliers, what they do? They ended up going to the gym, and Rajon Rondo was there. He was on Instagram recording some of the scenes and the action. So he's a big part of this team. And with Jameer Nelson fitting in seamlessly, no, there's no way I can see the Pelicans chasing the point guard. As big a question mark as I think the three is for the Pelicans, and it definitely is a very large one. If I was the Orlando Magic, the number one thing I would do is attack DeMarcus Cousins to the tune of trying to get him off the floor because he is a guy in 25 games last year who averaged 4.8 fouls a game, limiting him to 30 minutes per game. And this season, uh, you wouldn't think it, but he's right at 4.6 per game still. So uh, you guys have a bevy of big men in Biombo, Vucevic, and Gordon, and I would think the latter of those two probably could draw some fouls against uh boogie uh talk a little bit about that philip and then talk a bit about how you expect biombo vucevic and gordon to fare against anthony davis and boogie yeah i think this this center of this big matchup is is really the key to the whole game and it's going to be really interesting to watch how the magic handled them um i i thought entering the i mean the magic are obviously kind of playing a downsized version of themselves right now and 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 they're trying to use their athleticism to counteract any teams with size and Against the Spurs, they did a really good job overloading the strong side with LaMarcus Aldridge. They always had a double on him, uh, but and they weren't particularly worried with Pau Gasol. Um, you'll see the Magic switch a lot. Uh, that's that's the big thing. It wouldn't surprise me to see you know plenty of times where they run a pick and roll and Cousins ends up being defended by Fournier in the post, and they bring Aaron Gordon in to kind of shadow him and 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 
cover the cover the backside and the weak side. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Magic handle this, especially with a guy like Anthony Davis out there who is a much better player than Pau Gasol is at this point. Um, on the other end, you know, the Magic are good at getting to the line. Uh, they're, they've been better getting to the line this year than they have been in the last five. Um, they, they took 26 free throw attempts in their loss to the Hornets on on Sunday, and that's pretty regular for them to, to be up above 20 free throw attempts per game, which wasn't the case for the last several years. But Nikola Vucevic is not the one to draw fouls. He's just not a guy that gets to the foul line. In fact, with him taking more three-pointers, uh, he is more likely to kind of be hovering around the three-point line trying to space the floor and get one of those bigs out of the paint so that the Magic can get driving lanes. That's that's what the Magic tried to do against Charlotte, and Vucevic just missed all his three-pointers because even with Dwight Howard unwilling to go out and guard him at the three-point line, Vucevic just couldn't hit his threes. He just had a really bad shooting night from beyond the arc. So it, it's going to be interesting to see whether the Magic try and reestablish Vucevic in the post sum. I know that's something he wants to do, or whether they just keep him on the perimeter and try and use him as a floor spacer and to get one of Davis or Cousins out of the paint. Um, that's going to be really interesting, but I, I don't see this as a situation where they'll get a lot of fouls on Cousins unless they catch him in transition and attack him on the break. Um, I, I think that that's probably where the Magic will try to get players in foul trouble and put pressure on defenses. It's not so much from post-ups, because Vucevic, even even if he were in the post, is not good at drawing fouls to begin with. So it's, it's, it's definitely going to be... I don't think there should be a lot of concern over Cousins getting fouls unless the Magic are able to get downhill and beat those perimeter players into the paint. Uh, last question, and then we'll get to predictions. You are listening to The Bird Rights and Locked On Magic, and we are talking to Philip Rossman-Reich of Locked On Magic, as well as Ali Cosell here on Nothing But Net Radio on The Dash. Uh, we've discussed Terrence Ross and Sheldon Mack to a small extent, but there are two other players for you guys who are a bit intriguing, who are averaging over 15 minutes a game, and I just want to make sure I get your take on them before we go. Uh, of course, Mario Hazonia, the former top-five pick, and also Jonathan Isaac, if you can tell us what to expect from these two young players. Yeah, it's gonna, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, Jonathan Isaac actually missed Sunday's game. He was sick, uh, and so he, did, he didn't play uh, uh, Sunday. But if uh, I imagine it's something that if he's feeling well, he's good, he'll be good to go Monday night. And he is, he is a really interesting player. Uh, he's still not going to give you a lot on the offensive end. His offense is still well behind. Well behind. Uh, but defensively, for a kid who's 20 years old, spent only one year in college, he is really uh, a above average defensive player, all things considered. Um, his length is is noticeable. I mean, when you watch him play, the first thing you will notice is he takes up a lot of space without having to move very far uh, just because his arms are so long. And he knows how to use it pretty well too. Um, he definitely has his rookie moments where he looks a step slower and his thought process isn't fast enough to catch what an NBA player is doing. But he'll recover really well too. And, and he... You know, he, he, he'll make an impact defensively. I think a, a lot of Magic fans commented, I don't know if I necessarily agree 100% with this, but the Magic definitely missed Jonathan Isaac a bit in Sunday's game. Uh, I think that they would have fared a little bit better defending at the rim. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you, if, if Vogel tells the rookie, go out and guard Anthony Davis for the next two minutes and see what you can do with him. He's still really thin. He can still get muscled around a little bit. But Isaac is very game for those big assignments. He's already defended LeBron James for stretches. Uh, and and he's just a really intriguing prospect. Uh, it should be interesting to see how he continues to develop. And it's going to be game by game, obviously. As for Mario Azonia, he's been playing the backup power forward minutes. And so I think his minutes are largely kind of matchup dependent. I don't think the Magic like playing him when teams go big. 
they prefer to maybe bring in a Maurice Spates or, or, you know, maybe we'll see a Ken Birch if, if it comes to that. Um, but Hazonia uh, has been better. Uh, he had a really down year last year. He couldn't hit a shot to save his life last year. This year he's making shots. He's shown some growth on the defensive end. He's making smarter plays. He's not forcing things. And, you know, I, I, I've kind of said this on my show a, a bunch of times when talking about Mario. The goal for him right now is not to be fifth overall pick Mario Azonia. I think we can all kind of say fifth overall pick Mario Azonia is probably not going to happen. You know, we see, we're, we're seeing more flashes of that talent, but it's, it's getting late. It's getting late in the late, late on the clock for him to, to reach that, reach that pinnacle. Um, instead, what we need to see is useful NBA player, Mario Azonia. And if he's making shots and he's not being a negative on the defensive end, he becomes a rotation player all of a sudden. And then those flashes become nice additions to his game. And maybe remind you a little bit of what his talent could be, but, uh, are good contributions to, to a team. He just, right now he just needs to find and fit a role. And so far, I think he's done that. He's, he's definitely looked like he's made the improvements that he needs to make. He looks healthier than he did all of last year. And, and that's a good sign for the magic. All right, Ollie, age before beauty. Why don't you tell us what's going to happen tomorrow night, Monday night, 7 PM in the smoothie King center. Ouch. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. I'm helping you out on a Sunday night. Thank you. No. Well, I'm, so I'm going to stick with what I told Trevor earlier today, and that's I think the Pelicans will pull out the victory. I've got them, you know, about a 75% chance of walking away with the win. Um, and seeing the, the fact that the Hornets kind of, you know, surprised the Magic. I really thought the Magic were going to win that game, but I didn't really – you know, honestly, I didn't catch a minute of the game, so I didn't realize how big of a deal not having Isaac and Peyton had or were not there. So they had a big impact on the final outcome. So I think the Pelicans will probably win a pretty high-scoring affair. I'm going to say about 118 to 107. All right, Philip, take it for us. Yeah, I, I think the Pelicans are probably going to end up winners here. I, I think that the, the they're just this unique team that has the size and athleticism to really – to really kind of gum up the Magic's offense a little bit, uh, you know, I, I don't think Orlando, ha, you know, necessarily has the ability to to create. And and I think even defensively, I think that the Magic are at a little bit of a disadvantage defensively going up against Cousins and Davis. And and I think that they won't have the same the same success that they had against the Spurs. I will say this: the last time the Magic lost, they lost in Brooklyn in a very similar kind of poor defensive effort, high scoring game that they lost on Sunday. And they went to Cleveland the very next night and won by, you know, they led by 36, 37 at one point in that game and won by 20 plus points. So I wouldn't put the past the magic to, to, to go Nova again and be upset and be angry with how they played Sunday and, and refocused. So I think the magic will play better, but ultimately I think Char, I think that new Orleans is, is going to come out with a victory. It'll probably be something like, you know, 118, 113. Uh, you know, I think I think it'll be up in the 110s. I think both teams will get get their points. Uh, and I think that the Pelicans will probably have just enough to win the game. And New Orleans hasn't been over 500 in over two years. So it's probably pretty dangerous that we're feeling so confident at this moment. Hey, uh, I mean, the magic, the magic haven't been haven't been over 500 in two or three years either. And and you know, we're we don't know what to do with our hands right now. So so we're 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 all figuring this out together. That's probably why we get along so famous. famously. We just have so much in common. Uh, thank you guys so much. Again, you've been listening to The Bird Rights and Locked On Magic. This is Philip Rossman-Reich, who has given us the benefit of his time, as well as Ali Cosell. Thank you to both these gentlemen 
You can follow Philip at Phil R squared. Follow his site at O Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. Let's go to Ali real quick. You can follow him, of course, at Ali Cosell. Ali, uh, got anything coming up on thebirdrights.com for us? Yeah, I'm working on a piece where I want to focus on the Pelicans offense because all last week, what did we read? Nothing but garbage. More of the same narrative. The Pelicans have nobody but Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, which at least I guess was a step in the right direction. At first, they were saying that those two guys couldn't even play together. Wow, were they ever wrong. But anyways, I just want to talk about how the, the roster is actually a lot more compatible. And this is something that I've been saying since preseason where I thought that, and I even put an article out there where I thought they, they would have enough shooting from the outside. So it's just going to be a continuation of that, kind of a, an argument against a couple of pieces. One was by the ringer, and um, the other one I think was by Sports Illustrated or something like that. As to where, you know, they just had that common theme. Eventually, the Pelicans are going to fade. Eventually, DeMarcus Cousins needs to find a team where he can make the playoffs and, you know, basically just blow it up. Let's just blow up the Pelicans, not even give them a chance. So I just want to kind of write something <laughs> in, uh, you know, against that stance because it's gotten old and now it's not even relevant anymore. Thank you so much, Ali, for always bringing credibility to this podcast. Uh, great editor-in-chief to have. And, uh, Philip, uh, my name is Preston Ellis, by the way. Uh, let's go, Hells. <laughs> Philip, you're the guest of honor, man. Take us out. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to the bird rights podcast, as well as this episode of locked on magic. Let's, let's do it again sometime. It sounds good, man. Not only that, we need, uh, we need to, yeah. And we'll see you guys again this, uh, this season. Uh, thank you so much to Philip. Thank you to Ollie. Uh, have a great night. You guys Well, uh, Philip, will you be live tweeting the game tomorrow night? Uh, I actually will not be live tweeting the game tomorrow night. Uh, my 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 day job is going to get in the way, but I'll I'll have a complete recap on Orlando Magic Daily as well as on Locked On Magic after I actually watch the game. Nice work, dude. All right, thank everybody for listening. Let's go, pals. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching the Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bird Rights for all the latest and best coverage on your pals. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Your help has gotten us to more than 35,000 downloads at this point. A feature on Blog Talk Radio on the main page and a spot here on Dash Radio's new basketball concentrated network. And as always, if you have any questions, direct them to at Preston Ellis and we'll answer them by the next show. Let's go, pals! Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.